I just took my first sip of coffee and now I feel alive. <laughs> I didn't make coffee this morning, which was a wild thought. Are you okay? Yeah, I'll probably make it as soon as we're done recording. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some mornings you wake up and you're like, get it in your bloodstream immediately. And some mornings you wake up and it makes you feel nauseous to think about drinking yes. coffee immediately. That's yes. kind of how I was when my alarm went off at 4 a.m. So, nauseous. Very, very fair. <laughs> but I did wake up and see that Susie was point- appointed managing director of the F1 Academy, which is huge news. So this is me. The first thing that I thought when I saw this, besides like all of the great, amazing things it means, is, oh, so she was probably offered the Williams job, but then was like, nah, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to go do this and make things better for females in motorsports. But that's just what I'm telling myself. Um, but it does, I mean, I think we're continuing to see that we want, like, or we're continuing to hope that F1 Academy is going to make a difference and that they are going to actually provide funding where it should be funded and access and hopefully doing things the right way. And having Susie involved makes me feel slightly better about that but still it's a lot of just announcements and not a lot of like concrete things thus far but I just always will feel more comfortable at a an initiative aimed at correcting a diversity problem when they put someone in that minority group in charge of the program like Susie is incredibly aware of what stopped her career from progressing and what stopped her from getting the opportunity in F1. And she has always been very vocal about uh, when programs arise that do not meet or solve the issues that she directly experienced and that she understands that people are still directly experiencing right now. She was very critical about the W series while it was going on and everything she said was very accurate <laughs> about it and not necessarily because it failed but because it was not properly set up to solve some of the issues so i i am still i still do not fundamentally believe that the solution to getting more women in motorsports is segmenting them in a separate category but i do trust her voice and the power that she holds and i i just i like that a woman's in charge like let like because she knows <laughs> yeah it felt like that that had to be like the must of any decisions they make for f1 academy i mean i feel like there's a lot but if they were to put any kind of non-female in that role it kind of definitely would have been like huh but like to every your point, other does, yeah. female initiative right. in F1 right. right now, where it's like a bunch of men in a room being like, we'll solve your problem, women. And we're mm-hmm. like, can we just tell you what the problem is and how we want it mm-hmm. solved? And they're like, no, we're going to do it for you. And it's like, oh, okay, this is definitely yes, going to yes. work. <laughs> yeah. To your point, it is so, the it's spot on. The, she knows the where the access points really get slim and like what stopped her. And it's a a perfect perspective and voice and someone that is willing to be an advocate for these things, not only because it's like their life experiences, but oh my gosh, because it's the right thing to do. Like, wow, (laughs) what a concept. And she's good at being a a managing director. She has experience both being a manager and a leader, and she has experience as a driver in this field. So I don't think there's a more perfect person that you could pick to run this program. Um, She also has all of the connections in the paddock to make sure, because now they have established the benefit of what they're preaching as the F1 Academy is that there's going to be a direct funnel to F3 teams for these drivers. But I have yet to see the commitment to guarantee them those seats. Right. I am I am constantly worried that what's going to happen is the they're going to it's going to be the same thing as the W series where it's going to be treated as a destination instead of as a starting point 
Like, it's not, congratulations, you made it to the female series, and you can go race with other women over there. Like, mm-hmm. this go is supposed there. to be a... Oh, you did it. Yeah. What, I, what we, I've always said is the, the only way the W series was going to be successful is if it funneled women into F3, F2, and then eventually F1. And it failed to do that. So I'm hold F1 Academy to the same standard, which is the only right way this is going to be successful is if they get a driver, admittedly in the next two years, if I'm being generous, yeah. but it really yeah. should be whoever wins the F1 Academy this year needs a seat in F3 next year. And I will ring that bell all year. Because right now they're making all these announcements. They're like, look, woman. <laughs> gets into F1 Academy. Isn't that great? That's what all these announcements feel like to me. And I'm like, yes, that is great. But what's great is that this should guarantee the winner a seat in F3. Right. Because this is not them getting into F1 or F3 or it's not like F1 Academy should not be the pinnacle of sports because you have boobs or just like what, like, (laughs) right. Congratulations. So to bring it back to Susie, what is also promising for me is that she has all these connections in the other series, like the mm-hmm. levels up. And I'm hoping that those connections and those relationships she's built in F3 and F2 will help push these drivers through the feeder funnel. Because that's the whole point of these series, <laughs> to not be a destination, to be a feeder funnel. And so that's really why I'm so hopeful, because I'm sure there are many people who could do the job of managing director, but she has such unique, specific qualifications. Plus, There's only one Susie Wolf. Yes, I, I absolutely adore her. Nicole, it is race week. That, I can never get sick of saying that. I know. I'm really excited to have meaningful track sessions. But this past week, we had preseason testing. And I thought we'd bring back a segment we did in episode one of the podcast. Feel free to go back and listen because it it actually is relatively evergreen where we played Taboo. And if you've never heard of Taboo before, the idea is you have to describe something or in the real game, you have to get the other person to guess something without using some crucial words that describe that thing. And the first time we did this, Nicole challenged me to discuss uh, Pirelli tire testing without using words like tires. So in order, there's a couple of big headlines I pulled from preseason testing that I would like to discuss, but I think this time both of us have to play taboo. So Nicole, Nicole doesn't get to sit there and just laugh at me as I mess up. in on the fun, and Uh I'm going to be so bad at this. Brianna's going to (laughs) be blowing that whistle. Like, hey, remember episode one? Like, here we go. All right. So here are the words that selected that we can't say when discussing all the headlines from preseason testing going into the first race of the season. We cannot say the word test going forward post-explanation. Of course. We can't say the word tire, time, fast, or slow. So genuinely, this is just an explanation, or this is a challenge to see how can we describe teams without just screaming, they're fast. (laughs) Or they're slow. (laughs) They're slow. (laughs) We're really going to have to uh, challenge the way we describe things in F1. Bust open that thesaurus and start thinking of really creative ways to say these words. But I'm excited because I like playing games. If one of us messes up, you'll hear a... All right. So I think the biggest headline to come from preseason testing is the Aston Martin hype. It has gone from, you know, there's some people who are like, yep, they're going to be the fifth fastest team, which is a huge step up from being the sixth or seventh fastest team over the course of the season. And then there are people screaming about how Aston Martin is going to jump Ferrari and Mercedes and Alpine and McLaren and be the second fastest team and compete with Red Bull. Now, those are the two. You said fast. You know, it's the intro, but that's fair. (laughs) 
<laughs> I missed a couple in episode one, which was pointed out to me by lovely viewers. Thank you. Love you so much. Um, and so I will be extra honest this time. Um, <laughs> Nicole's not actually going to listen to the words I'm saying, no, except that's for the, the words. She's not going to hear. She, if at any point there's a random jump cut in here, it's probably because Nicole goes, Oh, I wasn't listening for anything other than if you said the words. No, I will be very listening. I am ready to talk about Aston Martin um, and especially, who trying to think. Yes, there was a lot of shakeup in headlines because of Alonzo's P2, P2, end of sentence, um, <laughs> definitely made things really spicy and it was not a, a sloth speed lap. Uh, so it definitely got people talking. <laughs> so is the Aston Martin hype actually going to happen this year? I think the scariest part, uh, scary as a fan of predominantly Lewis Hamilton, so another team, uh, is wasn't actually the P2, which was definitely a glory run on day one. Other people weren't putting in fastest laps. It was their long runs on day three. The pace that they... <laughs> I, I just... I almost said all, like, all the words at once. This is uh, Yep. Uh-huh. The pace that they were able to get out of the car lap after lap on their race sim was... Definitely better than what we've seen from the Ferrari, at least. And I I do think they're going to make a jump. But I think there's too many other factors from other teams. Because testing, you can't... <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, you, it's really hard to, in my opinion, compare team to team when it comes to lap time. And I really think, nah, I gotta blow the whistle on myself. I don't know that we didn't no, we didn't say we could cut time. this out. But I said time. Oh, you said time. I heard you say lap, and I was like, no, we could say that. <laughs> I'm already ready. Um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought because I just team to team. Oh, it's really hard to compare um, the pace from team to team. But I do think we can look at things like how easy that car was to handle for Fernando and how their laps are consistent across a stint. So I don't think the people who are saying that right now, convincingly, Aston is going to be competing, the ones competing with Red Bull, I think that's a little too far. We have never, we're in year two of a regulation set. Normally the field spread at best doesn't get worse. (laughs) Like if anything, it, it normally widens between the top team and the worst team. Jumping from P7 to P2 would be the greatest jump in a second year of a regulation set of F1's history. It is unprecedented. So I just, I can't, even if that is what we're seeing on track and that is what sometimes my eyes were telling me when I was looking at the data, I can't buy into it because I just can't believe in something that absurd. Yeah. Unfortunately, we were not, we did not have Lance, excuse me, this weekend. And for our viewers online, Parker has come to make a guest appearance because he just wanted to snuggle. Um, But we unfortunately did not get Lance info this weekend. We did, I guess, get some information from Felipe, but I feel like it's not as it's not going to be, you know, a good tell of what to expect from Aston Martin this season. I think what we did expect was towards the end of the season they were having they were able to be more consistent and more reliable. And surprise, that probably will see more of this season. But I do not think that means they, like you said, competing with Red Bull, especially because Red Bull is flyingly quick (laughs) i knew to the listening audience i knew as soon as i put the word fast in the taboo list because nicole's favorite thing even like outside the pod is to just scream fast (laughs) so but if you're watching you can see her face struggle 
to Panthers. So I think we will see more Aston Martin like race moments. I think we'll have it be a little bit more interesting and they will be more reliable incoming races. And it'll be great to see what upgrades that they come with. But I do not think that we suddenly have like the car sent from heaven putting in times that are like unbelievably fast. I'll point out I just hear Aston- two words. I'm blowing the whistle on myself twice. I said time and death. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not as good as pr- at pressing the button. Uh, I just get too excited about our conversation. I will point out that the Aston is the most visually unique and different car for this year. This is the first year that their new technical director, Dan Fellows, this is his car. Last year, the B-spec they brought was their last minute panic when he came on after gardening leave and was like, no, this is not the direction we want to go. And so I do think they will make a jump. Uh, I just like the way, I think sometimes we talk too much in F1 about development as if Red Bull is standing still or the top teams are standing still. So everyone is on a development curve and for a team that is behind, and this applies to every team, and a team that's behind, they have to develop at a faster rate than Red Bull is developing. Ah, they have to develop at a quicker rate than, than Red Bull is developing in order to close the gap. And that is why the team that comes into a regulation set with a head start is keeps that advantage for a long time because they just need to develop at the same rate as everyone else, and everyone else needs to develop quicker. Speedier. <laughs> Speedier. Right. Uh, Red Bull obviously already had a lot of things figured out. So, updates, anything. They're already working on a winning package. Therefore, any improvements, <gasps> oh, it goes quicker. <laughs> like, oh, it may be. And, of course, any changes, you're always risking it not causing improvement but that's not what we saw this weekend so it was again yeah red bull knew what they were doing showed up and left red bull won the championship so early not even the official win but they wrapped it up basically a couple weeks before that so we knew at the end of last year that red bull had a ton of developments that they just chose not to bring to the car because there was no point so not only had, did Red Bull get it right last year and have a head start, but they got to spend the second half of last year completely just working on what they were going to bring for this year's car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, be super budget focused. Save those upgrades for next year. Yeah. Which leads me to the second major headline from testing, which is, yeah, yeah, that Red Bull's just faster. Ah! Yeah, that Red Bull is just going to dominate the field. That no one's no one at least came to testing even close. So I testing. Nicole, I will ask you: Will anyone compete with Red Bull? For we're just gonna look at the first half, first third of the season. Do you think anyone's gonna compete? I can answer this two ways. I can answer this with my hopeful. I'm a fan of sport, and I believe that people can make. Yeah, hope alarm. Right. I can do that. And I can talk about how I just believe that Mercedes is going to bring upgrades and it's just going to be like the craziest thing we've ever seen. However, I am trying to go into this season being the most realistic that I can. And Red Bull is setting, Red Bull, it just already looks so ahead of the entire grid that it just does not In the near future, I think it'll be a very interesting second half of the season. But right now, they seem so just ahead of everyone. And you could they showed up to testing and they didn't flinch. They were yeah. They this weekend, they were just like, here we are, we're gonna show up. Max is gonna do his two days, and they're like, Yeah, we know what we're coming in with. And they, as every other team, seem to have slight issues or things to discuss. Red Bull did it. They were top of the Ooh, trying to not use words. Top of all of the mm, 
sec- collective seconds of driving in circles. That was impressive. That was good. <laughs> uh-huh. And it just never seemed like anyone was getting crazy close. And even, you know, if you want to talk about miracle laps or anything, when people do get close, it's not a accurate depiction of their continued race pace. Got him. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Couldn't remember if we could say pace. That's a good one we should do. So you definitely gave the most accurate assessment. But if someone out there is wanting to feel hopeful, here are the things that are actually in the data that can give you hope. Uh, because I'm sure there's many people being like, yeah, that's, that's, that's done. So I'll start with, of the three big teams, Red Bull was the only team to use the correct downforce level on their wing for this specific circuit. They were using their medium downforce wing, Mercedes was using their high downforce, and Ferrari was using their low. What this means is Red Bull's setup for all of the laps they were doing was correct for this circuit, which means that Mercedes and Ferrari will bring their correct spec wings to the actual GP this weekend, they were they were both those other all the teams use the setup in testing that is going to help them ah, that is going to help them correlate their data to what they're seeing the best, and they're trying to set up the car for the entire year, not just for the Bahrain GP. So that's thing one. Thing two is that it does seem Ferrari is notorious for wanting to get the flashy headlines in this time of the year. Ah, I was trying time. to not say test. And you uh, said time. Time. Um, and it seems like for the first time in their... Call it on myself. It seems like Ferrari didn't do that this year, if we're to believe what they're saying. Which means that I am relatively confident that we're going to go into the first, at least the first stretch of the year, and I think we're going to have a similar situation where Ferrari is at least competitive in quality. Now, will they be able to convert that to wins because their race pace doesn't look great? I don't know yet, but I'm here to give you hope. So Red Bull was the only team set up correctly for the circuit they were running laps at. Um, and Ferrari's quality pace still looks impressive. The other third thing that should give you hope is that the entire time Mercedes kept saying that they're hiding something and that they already have a huge upgrade package coming by race six. I think it's going to come at Imola. So even if they're not competitive immediately, they seem relatively confident that whatever they're going to bring for Imola is going to help close that gap. So there are some like tidbits that are actually accurate in the data. Like we're not, I'm not uh, totally grasping at straws here. If you, anyone wants to go into this feeling hopeful that it's not going to be a Red Bull slaughter. I just feel like it is, but we love hope. Um, And as we've discussed, and as if you've seen on our TikTok, Brianna dives into some um, rubber wheel degradation when it comes to Ferrari. (laughs) And it doesn't necessarily seem like that issue has been fixed. So sick, love your quality time, but... uh, (laughs) uh, Like great for quality. We need that consistency. We need you to be reliable. We need you to show up and stay out and not melt away. I think the last big headline is what in the world is going on with McLaren and Alpine? Um, I think we need to collectively as an F1 community probably start having a bigger discussion about how maybe we shouldn't keep putting McLaren in the ability to compete for championships bucket this is the second year in a row that they've just been unable to participate in these preseason lap runs. And 
I'm holding back all of my McLaren comments. I need more evidence. I need, but stretches in Daniel Ricardo and just says, yeah, you know, things could be interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I would say be worried about McLaren. An inability to run laps for most of the three days is bad. Uh, There is some fundamental structural issues and everyone on that team is saying that things are bad. And normally when an F1 team comes out and is aggressively saying that things are bad, we should believe them, in my personal opinion. Not, oh, we have something else in the tank. That's not saying things are bad. McLaren is genuinely saying, we are not going to be good. Right, (laughs) right. And and we, this was, I started to get kind of, and I think it was from the McLaren press, the agita of as Mercedes is talking about, like, oh, we have upgrades to bring. My brain has just been in such the mindset of, that's immediately what McLaren's been saying. And McLaren is visually, and um, now we've seen... um, via the car not super jazzed and confident this year um so there's obviously just bigger internal issues it's it's they're saying a lot of the things that you never want to hear a team be saying and their drivers seem frustrated it'll be interesting to see oscar in like an actual race and kind of getting some seconds and minutes of him driving in an actual race to kind of start getting some more data there. But yeah, it looks right now is not looking great for the papayas. Um, and I feel a little smug about it and I want to be like, ha ha, but you know, I'm not going to jump on that train just yet. It's way too early. I'll say, I think Alpine's fine. They're not panicking to the press. So Alpine didn't have a great showing based on what they put on the timesheets. But if they're, they still seem decently confident and I, Alpine will have to prove to me that they're going to take a step back this year and nothing they did in the test. While they didn't do anything flashy, they ran their laps. They said they completed all their programs and everything was expected. So not worried. McLaren, you should be worried. No red flags. There was no unbelievably, ah, this can't be fixed right away or. No one seemed really tense, and they didn't seem that Alpine was doing damage control in the press like, you know, a lot of other teams do. And even no matter how Ferrari or Mercedes was performing in testing, how they performed this weekend, there's always going to be some type of, well, what about this? Or finding the bad. Alpine kind of falls into that place that unless, like, they come out and acknowledge it. But So I think them saying that they ran everything that they wanted to and was able to practice everything that they wanted to during this then right now i'm like okay that's we'll wait and see race wise where that goes i would still predict alpine to be top of the midfield probably competing with aston um and i based on only the information we are given right now i agree that mclaren will slide back at least behind those two um if not more early on so. Was my hot take of the season. My hot yeah. take was uh, from a very bitter place, but just inklings in my gut of McLaren's going to be opposite of quick. And <laughs> right now, kind of feels good to be right. Since it's the first race of the season, I feel like I've been in press release. Like I've been inundated with all the F1 press releases, with all their announcements. So much so that at the end of the show, we're going to run through some of the like news really speedy because so many announcements in the last like 48 hours. Uh, but what I thought was one of the big ones was we got the announcement of a new fan thing that F1 is giving us called F1 Unlocked. And the idea, and I'll read exactly how they're describing the program on their website, which is unseen, unheard, F1 unlocked. Dive into exclusive content from F1 experts, redeem epic rewards, and enter money can't buy competitions. The general premise here is you sign up for free, which is shocking. And My you first get, piece was how much is it? <laughs> right. It's absolutely, F1 doesn't do free. And they're trying to give more exclusive behind the scenes access to fans. They admit that what we have right now with F1 Unlocked is phase one of whatever they're planning 
on rolling out. So we have very early days information here, but they're putting additional website content up, um, including like the big headline. The first F1 Unlocked article is a Usain Bolt written article about Lewis Hamilton. You're getting a discount, again, for free to the merch stores. And trust me, I will take any merch discount they will give me because it's not cheap. Um, they've moved their live timing behind this program, so you do need to have an account with F1. Again, a free account, but you still need an account with F1 to see their live timing. Um, and then they put out their first competition, which is or like awards drawing, which is actually a trip to, like an all-paid trip to the Australian GP. And like they're only giving that away once, but that's still... It's not a, that's not a small drawing they're doing, basically. Uh, they did say that part of this that they'll be unlocking soon is on-track exclusive prizes and virtual fan experiences. So my overall first take was I am not used to F1 doing anything around the fan community. I'm actually very used to F1 doing the exact opposite, being so exclusive that they're almost like pushing their fans away. And that's why I think most of us spend a lot of time with online communities because we have built our own F1 communities. Um, but I am hopeful if the things that are unlocking soon do come and that this is I like that F1 is moving in this direction, and I hope they stay true to that course. <laughs> what are your initial thoughts now that I've broken that down and give you my point of view? So, I mean, the first, after figuring out that I did not have to give them more of my money, I was like, cool, sign me up. Mm -hmm. As of right now, I mean, there's not a lot in there. So first yeah. I feel like they announced it kind of maybe too early before they had more content there, or it just mm -hmm. felt as F1 does things slightly incomplete and just not fully <laughs> ready to launch, but that's okay. I love that there's now there, it's an attempt to create a community space because as you were saying, a lot of people had to go elsewhere to find that. Mm -hmm. I think obviously launching an online application or an online domain and just how this is being marketed and the design of it to a younger fan base, because yeah. this is not for the grandpas that have been watching F1 forever who want more additional content off track and want to log into F1 on That's a good point. We're the ones who want additional yeah. content and there's a there's an age cutoff to understanding that they would want online fan communities. Right. Yeah. Like there's there's a certain population of F1 who um there's a certain population of F1 who is not they don't need a community of people to be talking about race pace with. And a lot of people have built fan bases around themselves because either people near them don't know. So I feel like this is a great way to grow that in particularly. So I think it, hopefully, at least right now, it also seems like a great space where they can be collecting actual data and input from fans. And it doesn't just feel like we're like screaming into the void on Twitter anymore of like, why isn't F1 doing X, Y, Z thing? Um, so hopefully, I, I feel excited to see what they do with it. I'm hoping to get more additional content from like drivers that we don't get to see a lot. Like we've re most recently on the F1 YouTube got Valtteri's like media day and like everything. Like I want one of those for every single driver. I don't just need the historically, you know, loved ones or the really, really fast ones. I would love an inside look of just like a day of what is Nick DeVries doing? And now he's like in <laughs> an actual car and like, what does that look like? Or just like the bonus things that probably wouldn't be mainstream enough. And it's for the crazy type of fans. They're like, give us more, give us more. I need more content from F1. So I'm hoping they just utilize that correctly. And it doesn't just become this empty void of like a collection of emails that yeah. F1 has. Yeah, you hit on two really important points. So to your point about there has been a real ramp up of YouTube content over the last week during preseason testing that we're not used to, including that amazing behind the scenes video with Valtteri on his media day shoot. Uh, and I became very hopeful that F1 is starting to create content like this themselves because I think the teams have done it to some extent and I think the drivers who get it 
are starting to do it because they understand that people want that type of content. And Drive to Survive won't be here forever. So I really feel like this is a attempt at giving Drive to Survive level access, um, specifically talking about their ramp up in YouTube, just coming from F1 because they need to start to learn how to make that content for themselves. Uh, to your point about like an endless pit of emails, um, and you said something really smart in the middle of all of that as well, which is that they're collecting data. So to anyone feeling skeptical about this or they're feeling, you're feeling maybe like you uh, are like, oh, well, I'm not gonna sign up because I'm not really gonna get a lot out of it right now. Especially if you are young and a woman, I beg you to please, please sign up because the data they are pulling from F1 Unlocked is what they're going to use to define who their audience is. And we know we exist. And just signing up and saying, hi, I am female, I am woman, I have breasts, and I love F1, <laughs> will do wonders for making it unavoidable and something unignorable. Like we, that we exist. So sign up, make sure your friends sign up. If like, at best, we just get a couple extra articles uh, and that, and you get to sign up to maybe go to Australia. Like there's, there's no negative. The only negative is if we don't sign up and we're not telling F1 we exist. We need, unfortunately, we're still in the stage where we need to prove we exist. So please, please, please do it. If we can hear Parker barking in the background, he also agrees. He's like, please let my mom stop screaming into the void for the things that she wants. I'm a dog. I cannot do anything about them. So F1 listen about the content that <laughs> she wants. Yeah. So it, it's very important for us to join because when you, they pull that data, they cannot be like, oh no, it shows that look at all these females, I guess. Or like if it wasn't, they're like, wow, everyone says it's females, but they're not signing up. So we'll continue to make data. We'll continue to make content that's not for them. We need to be able to like take advantage of this and undeniably be like, hello, look at us. Give us more of these things or so I will continue to fill out any survey that they send or just like, what are things that you want to see? Oh, would you like a list? Because I have it all the time. Always. I'm thinking about what content that everyone should be making. So I'm hopeful. I just, again, it's, they haven't done anything. I'll be intrigued to see what they do. If they do anything this weekend for Bahrain, because that kind of feels like stupid. If they were to announce this like additional fan domain community and then do nothing race one. <laughs> So, TBD of what that looks like. Hey, podcast listeners. Gossip Grid here, your guide to F1's paddock elites. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Gossip Grid. We're here to give you all of everything you need to know about F1 and pop culture. And we are starting off with a huge, huge story today. And it's huge because, I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Harry Styles did a shoey on stage, not only is in the middle of his concert, but in Australia, in Perth, where Daniel Ricciardo is from. AKA the inevitability of them meeting continues to grow stronger. Their bromance is real and it's just going to happen. But I woke up to that man doing a shoey and I was like, it's they're, they're channeling each other's energy. So Harry Styles, Daniel Ricardo, figure it out. Go get lunch. Thank you very much. And as long as you just post a picture of it, because I need that as my wallpaper forever. Thank you. We are starting to get our first pictures of lovely Joe as the Lululemon China campaign ambassador. We were getting some really lovely pictures of him in their recent athleisure wear for males. He's sending Charles, a, you know, really giving him a good run for his money. There's a lot of great winking pics out there, but it's definitely really interesting to see that Lululemon, particularly in China, is trying to grow their brand in a really certain way and appeal to a really specific younger demographic audience. And they thought Joe was a great ambassador to be not only an elite athlete, but someone that is a face in the fashion industry. So they felt like they were hitting multiple nails on the head. And they're right. I mean, he's an unbelievably great fashionista for literally lack of better terms and it's important to have that as a brand ambassador and I'm hoping to see some really sick Lululemon fits at the paddock this year but the man knows how to take a great photo and can drive a car really fast so it's a perfect perfect pairing we had Sir Lewis was out on the town in London after the British 
Art and Film Awards, the BAFA Awards. There was a huge after party with British Vogue and Tiffany and Co. at the Annabelle Club. It's like a really private club that a bunch of rich, famous people spend a lot of money to get a membership to, similar to Soho House in the U.S. Um, but they, Lewis was photographed with everyone. There's a wonderful, beautiful picture of him and the British and Vogue editor-in-chief because guess what? You want to look like you know what you're doing in terms of fashion? Lewis is a great person to have there. But he got to hang out with a bunch of really great people like uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Angela Bassett was there, Florence Pugh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jamie Foxx. It was a studded list. Uh, Lewis was in a custom outfit and he had leather straps on his sleeves to mimic attire, but most importantly, he was wearing a Tiffany & Co. brooch that most recently was also worn by Michael B. Jordan at the Creed 3 premiere. So that's a beautiful connection. I would love to see them together. And Lewis looked absolutely stunning and amazing at this event. Vanity Fair France gave us an in-depth interview with Esty Bestie. This was entirely in French. This is basically kind of Gossip Grid meets Google Translate. They talked to him all about different racing movies and his perspective on it. And of course, he gives a lot of input about, you know, how important movies are and the perspective of the driver. And no surprise, Rush is his favorite racing movie. I think it's my favorite racing movie as well. It's an incredible story. And you can't complain about getting any Chris Hemsworth. He's a great James Hunt. And uh, we got to hear about Esty talk about his experience with working with Nicky Lauda, which was really interesting and great. Also, surprisingly, amongst all of these movies, they included Ricky Bobby. So when they're talking about F1, then hearing Esty Bestie talk about Ricky Bobby Talladega Nights, very, very different. But if you haven't seen Rush already, what are you doing? Definitely see it. And last but not least, we got a beautiful like diary entry with Alex Albon and the Players' Tribune. It gave a really unique perspective of his time as a reserve driver with Red Bull, what it was like going through that whole process and the ups and downs of his entire journey. Um, apparently, he revealed he also, when he was looking for a new seat, has an Excel spreadsheet CV that is color-coded, breaks down his times, and I want to see it. I'm also intrigued that this is a man after our hearts. I also create Excel spreadsheets to prove a point. Exactly. That's why I needed to share that. Because he's like, not only did he say he was handing out his resume in the paddock, but he made it in Excel and color-coded it with, like, data and times. And I'm like, wow, so I really want to see that. This is also, I think, again, we're looking at a really interesting point in F1 where it is a very cutthroat sport, but with the growing fan base and having more fans that maybe are not only just fans of teams, but fans of drivers. And as more drivers lose their seats and become reserve drivers, but maybe still have a really strong fan base, is there now kind of being an opening space for maybe drivers don't have a career on the grid, but they're able to still produce content elsewhere and have fan base everywhere? Look, look, I'm just thinking it could be really interesting that I don't think we get a lot of that. Um, this has nothing to do with Daniel Ricciardo being a reserve driver. <laughs> Everything always has to do. With it always does. But who knows? It's very interesting. It gave a really beautiful perspective, especially from Alex being with Red Bull at the time that he was. Definitely go check it out if you haven't already. And shout out to Alex Albon for being the PR king that we know and love. And that's everything we got for this week's Gossip Break. We'll see you next time. This is our first, like, pre-race podcast because we have the Bahrain GP this weekend. So we, like many other podcasts, wanted to do picks for the weekend. But normally people pick their podium. And if that was the case, we were going to have to pick the same people every single week. Because Nicole and I are very competitive, not with each other, but just in general, we're competitive people. Uh, I, mostly me, I'm really competitive. So I wouldn't be able to nope. make Let's fun. Let's compete who's the most competitive. <laughs> no, I just, I just am fully admitting that I am crazy. Uh, I, Monopoly is banned in my household. So uh, in that, for that reason, we wanted to be able to throw some wild cards out and create good content that wasn't us just lying about who we actually thought was going to be on a podium. Like, yes, could I, like, be funny and be like, haha, I think a McLaren's gonna be on a podium this week, yes, but that's... I'm too competitive to not just pick the Red Bulls and one other person. So, how we're gonna do this is we're going to pick every week the winner, 
the P4, the person who just missed the podium. We're going to pick P7, theoretically the best of the rest. P10, the last person or driver to be in the points. And then we're going to pick the team who scored the most points in the weekend, who's currently 6th through 10th in the standings. So basically, back half, who scores the most points. The overperforming team of the week is basically what we're going to call them. But there's some stakes attached to this. Of course. Because what's the point of competing if there are no stakes? <laughs> well, we want to we create good content around this. Right. And I think some of the fun of predictions is being able to hold each other accountable for when we make bad predictions. Um, and not just moving on and pretending like we didn't do that. <laughs> so the loser of the week in the next pig segment is going to have to wear um, a headband that is uh, has a, a statement that will not be super flattering to that person for that week. Um, you'll have to tune in for when we do our picks for the Saudi GP in two weeks to see which one of us has to wear and what we're wearing. And then we're going to do two seasons of picks this season. So we're going to do total points to summer break, and then we're going to restart. Pre-silly season, post-silly season. Basically. So the loser of the season will have to do our picks for the first race after summer break from a Peloton. So no convenient, like, nice, or we're sitting here comfy in our seats. You'll see one of us sweating on a Peloton, having <laughs> wall. <laughs> Heavy breathing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which will not be so nice for that specific person. No, so, I'm not jazzed about that yeah. idea at all. But that's the point. Yeah, neither of us want to lose. Right. All right. So I figure we'll start with Nicole. Who'd you pick as your winner going into this week? No one could see this coming at all, but I have picked Max Verstappen as the winner of Bahrain this weekend. Yeah, me too. Okay, so more excitingly, Nicole, who did you pick as your P4? Who do you think is going to be P4 this week? I put Checo at P4 just to keep things kind of spicy and not impossible. Um, we don't need to fill in who I think is P2 and P3 because that's not the point of this. So I'm putting Checo just missing the podium at P4. Yeah, I'd be shocked um, <laughs> if, if Checo's anything below P2. Um, I put Charles. Uh, I, it makes sense to me that he'll, Ferrari will just miss the podium. Yeah, they're like just um, there, right. Mm -hmm. Best um, of the rest. So for P7, I I mean, this doesn't feel like a, a shock anywhere. I almost put him at P4 to make it spicy, but I put Fernando Alonso at P7. <sighs> me too. Yeah, yeah, I was like, this is gonna, this is, this will be probably the same. I think it's, it's, it's the best piece of evidence that we have right now. Um, yeah. and very likely. And again, we're in this to win everyone. So <laughs> right. sometimes well, we have to. Yeah. Have we're also working off limited data. So the best I can do. Um, and of course we can't like, you can't predict DNFs. So I, I actually, I don't, yeah. I'd be shocked if we get this right. That would be awesome. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, especially, you know, if Max wants to pull a DNF, um, <laughs> I wouldn't be upset yeah, we, about not losing those two points, but that's... Yeah, like, uh, darn. No, <laughs> well, we also, no. Yeah. Uh, right. My P10 last in the points is Alex Albon, I think. Oh, that's Williams in the points. Yeah. I love that. That's mm -hmm. a great, great vibe. Mine, yeah. Joe. Ah, oh, that's also a good... Okay, yeah. Yeah, we both like, went for a wild card. Yeah, we went for, like, a little bit of hopeful, but not mm -hmm. necessarily impossible and unheard of, and I think it would right. be exciting and fun um i would be happy if either of us got that one right because yeah. i want them to get points <laughs> i do think there are five faster cars than either of our picks but when picking p10 i was under the assumption that there'll at least be one or two dnfs from yeah. the top five teams and i think we can sneak an alex albon in there Williams you never know awful. hey last year work. he yeah. last year was like this was technically his best weekend so <laughs> so because it's the first race of the season 
we had to go off last year's final standings for who was P6 in the constructors through P10. I, to sh the shock of no one, said that I think Aston Martin is going to be the highest point scoring team based on last year's P6 through P10. Did you do the same? I also said Aston yeah. Martin. It's the obvious pick right now. I mean, like, again, we're talking about teams 6 through 10. I think right. if I was, like, if we're picking teams just, like, outside of the, like, glory three, like, I very much want to scream about Alpine, but we're not talking about, you know. Yeah, they were P4. We're, we're, I know. They were too good. Um, <laughs> yep. So, yeah, my obvious choice right now is Aston Martin. Their car looks the most different. We've seen some interesting things. I, I'm excited to see them show up and get Lance in that car. So, like we said at the beginning of the segment, we will be holding our picks accountable and keeping you up to date with the standings. So make sure you follow us at Gridwalk Show. We will be posting after the race on Sunday how we both did. Uh, and then we'll come back and do the segment again in two weeks for race two. And maybe we'll see if one of us does well. <laughs> we made this hard on ourselves. We did, especially because we overlap in probably like some very particular areas. If we both tie, do we both wear a headband? No, I think we both get a pass. Okay. Tying, yeah. The the key points differences for us is who's P four and who's P ten. Right, which is the, that's what that's kind of mostly where I predicted we would differ. Um, yeah. And that's also, I mean, P10 could have been anyone. And I'm, I'm, I'm going in acknowledging that picking Checo at P4 is wild, but I'm going with it. We had more press releases in the first couple days of this week than I could keep track of. So here's a couple of headlines that happened this week. For starters, ESPN announced that they're going to be doing more F1 coverage this season, specifically with covering it on SportsCenter and doing their own F1 post show, not just relying specifically on the Sky Sports post shows. What are your thoughts, Nicole? I'm so excited. As someone that consistently just turns on their TV and then has like ESPN on all day and I like live for watching SportsCenter, I can't wait to see them discuss F1 on SportsCenter. Will everyone have takes? Will they be able to have any type of conversation or will they just be like, so-and-so won the race and then like move on to the next piece? My brain can't fathom that being in my everyday zeitgeist that way because it's either I have to search for the F1 content, but now it's going to be on my like everyday ritual thing, which is really, really exciting. What are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are I would love for them to hire some people who are experts in this and cover this. But my other thought is there are three things that I would love to see happen now that ESPN is committed to more F1 coverage. What? I need Stephen A. Smith on first take screaming about something pertaining to an F1 race. Two, I need him pardon the interruption to Tony Kornheiser and Wilbon to debate an F1 topic, specifically like, oh my God, a Michael Wilbon take on a cost cap scandal. I would love it. And three, in Around the Horn, I need one of the topics one day to be an F1 something. And oh my God, I'm so excited are any, this. are any of these people going to necessarily be good at talking about F1? Probably not. But the mashup in the zeitgeist, as you're saying, of like all the things would just blow my mind. <laughs> Hey, if you need uh, two sports fans who are really passionate about F1 and also really passionate about ESPN production, let us trial run it for you. <laughs> we yeah. would, it's great. Yeah, so, look it's... at how high production our show is with no help. Um, <laughs> second big uh, news press release that was released yesterday is F1 is partnering with a soccer team in London. They are going to put an F1 track below a soccer stadium in an urban center. Um, they say there's going to be commercial benefits, but that they're also going to build a junior program for motorsports along with apprenticeships. And this is part of their diversity and inclusion initiatives in order to bring more uh, young urban kids into motorsports. Throwing this one your way as well, Nicole. Yes. So definitely very interesting initial thoughts. I was like, wow, this is great. This is awesome. Again, I'm also not a soccer fan besides obsessing about Ted Lasso, but that's fictional. Um, so I did do a little bit of a deep dive into the Tottenham, Tottenham, I'm sorry, I can't say the name right, Spurs and their building of this facility and everything like that. And all the plans that they're announcing sounds really, really exciting. There have been a little bit of some controversies in the past of when they were initially building this stadium and this 
team said that they were going to be introducing certain amount of affordable housing units because of the arena and certain jobs. And a lot of that has since been waived and pulled back. And a lot of people are upset about it. So I'm hoping the F1 deal is not like that. And this is where they're actually going to then go back and kind of be like, no, we want to do betterment. We want to include more. We want to provide more access and make these areas a little bit better. Um, or else F1's just then going to be pulled into a place of you said you were doing all these things and then you did not do them. So just something for everyone to be aware of that sometimes saying that they're going to be doing all the right things, make sure they follow through with them. So Great idea, great announcement, now actually do it. And 15 years is a long time for a deal, so hopefully we will see it happen. They're saying that the, the track will be open within the next year, which wow. I don't understand how construction works. But just all of the pieces to remember um, when observing this announcement. I do think the intention is good, and I like the idea that they're going to build an accredited karting track in an urban area and not necessarily in the middle of nowhere. Uh, where it's really hard to get to. Uh, but uh, yes, everything you said and w that scandal sounds interesting mm -hmm. <laughs> and doesn't make me very hopeful. Uh, okay, the last big press release we got is that F1 signed another broadcast rights deal. is unconfirmed for the amount of money, but they signed a deal for their races to be able to be shown on some major airlines and also on cruise lines this week. Yeah, I think, again, just more being able to get access to an F1 race, I think for so long in different places you needed to log on or pay a subscription or things like that. So now just the idea that you're able to turn on the TV when you're in the middle of the ocean or in the sky and can watch <laughs> Sky Sports or who like any, you know, it can then be watching an F1 race really crazy. Because that's, you know, has to demonstrate the demand for it because you're literally putting it in places that are like so specific and siloed of, you know, what entertainment you need to offer that if they see there's enough demand for it in planes and cruises, again, says a lot about the growth of the sport. All right, I'm going to throw a fourth headline at you that we didn't, you didn't know about is we actually also found out this morning that F1 for the first time is going to be using their commentary crew on their highlights and their YouTube videos and the products that they are putting out instead of using Sky Sports, uh, which I just think is an interesting thing to throw in here amidst all this talk of media, that F1 is really investing in their F1 TV crew, which is personally my favorite crew. I pay for F1 TV Pro. I really like that announcing crew, so I'm excited, but I think it's interesting that F1 is really building out its media empire. Right, itself. and maybe they're seeing that, you know, people in America or anywhere, there's a growth. And we get a lot from F1 TV. Yeah, um, so, uh, but maybe they're like, wow, people are really invested in this. And like, it's maybe there's, it's has something to do with the commentators or at least people filling out like feedback and things. So providing more opportunities for their commentators. And again, going back to F1 Unlocked, I'm sure we'll be seeing more of them on that platform, or at least I hope so. Because yeah, I also pay. So that I don't have to listen to the <laughs> standard sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Ted's notebook, right? But the Ted's notebook. But the I I will always vouch that I think the F one. It's it's a controversial opinion, but I personally like the F one TV crew more. They're my favorite. So. And maybe we'll have more to say when we start seeing an ESPN post race show, whatever the heck that even looks like. We don't really e even know what that would include yet, so stay tuned on that. Welcome to Yellow Sector Notes. Not the fastest walk around F1, but we will complete a full lap around the paddock hitting every F1 garage. Barcelona is going chicane-free in 2023. Yes, that was hard for me to say. Barcelona is going chicane-free in 2023. The Las Vegas GP team showed up to preseason testing and put everyone in sparkly jackets. And all of their jackets look like my entire Pinterest board for the Taylor Swift Eras Tour because they're channeling 1989. <laughs> yes. The RV19's rear was running lower than all teams at testing. Ferrari announced it switched up who was leading their strategy team for 2023. Usain Bolt wrote an article about Lewis Hamilton for the F1 website and it really was incredible. Alpine will be pink this week. They should be every week, but we'll take it. Oscar Piastri leaned into the meme and tricked all of us into thinking that he put Oscar Pastry on one side of his race helmet. 
Everyone posted a fantastic YouTube video showing us all the behind the scenes of Valtteri's preseason shoot day. We even got to see him filming some Grill the Grid topics. And it gave such a beautiful spotlight to that fantastic mullet and mustache. He really needs to keep that helmet. Please keep that helmet all season. We still have no update on whether or not Lance is going to be able to drive this weekend, and I am stressed. I also, now that I put that in the universe, we're going to get an update before this podcast gets posted. But he was spotted without any cast on in the airport, reportedly on his way to try to drive the sim at Aston Martin's headquarters in Silverstone. Haas has a mini pit wall this season. Like, I know it's not necessary to have a full full out pit wall like all the teams do, but it just looks weird. It looks so weird that Haas has this mini tiny baby pit wall now. I agree. It's reported, and then it was actually refuted this morning, that Alhatari will either move their headquarters closer to Red Bull, opening a can of regulation pain, or it will be sold soon. And even though it was refuted this morning, I, I think this reporting is probably pretty accurate. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Something to watch. Um, Alex Albon did the milk challenge on Sky Sports. That is the grid walk for March 2nd, 2023. Completed. How was my sector time today, Nicole? That literally felt like the speed of light. <laughs> but I wanted to give a big thank you to VoiceOver Man and our four-legged producers. Make sure you are turning on auto-downloads and that you rate and review the pod after listening. You have no idea how much this helps us out. Lights Out is this weekend. So, hey, Apple Podcast listeners, help us out with our goal of getting five reviews by Bahrain, which is this weekend. So please let us know what you like, what you love, what you'd love to see us try out and maybe do. If you have a segment idea, we'd absolutely love to hear it. Follow us on every single social media platform. Maybe you prefer one over the other. Doesn't matter. We are at Gridwalk Show everywhere, offering you some daily Gridwalks. And we'll be back every Thursday, and we hope you join us. Today was like an entire grid race and not a grid walk.